Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Title IX Podcast and the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. I'm Steph Copley, joined by Elisa Woods for episode 64 of the podcast. We're getting old, Elisa. 64. Feels like a good number. I know. Good number to quit on. This is the end. (laughs) (laughs) This is it. We forgot to tell you guys. See you later. JK, JK. We're going to make it to at least 65 for retirement age or something 65? Better believe we're going to make it to 69. (laughs) Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh no, but 64. It's been 64 good ones, and hopefully tonight is one of the best ones we ever do. The uh best. shout out to the best. Shout out to our sponsors, the Ivy College of Business at Iowa State. Last uh last episode we jumped the gun and I was thinking the students were back, but I was wrong. They're back, I think tomorrow officially, yeah. Tuesday. Yeah. So um, hopefully they listen to, to us while they while they're walking around campus. Yeah, I drove to Ames yeah. today to pick up the kids. Um, they just spent the day there, and there were a lot of out of town cars with Iowa State bumper stickers headed in that direction. I so believe it. I think I the kids it. are headed back home. Well, if you are an Ivy student listening to the podcast, best of luck this semester. We're cheering for you, rooting you on. And shout out, of course, to our sponsor of the entire podcast network, the Mississippi River Distilling Company. We mentioned it last time on the last episode, but Elisa and I and some friends are going to make it over there to visit our friends at the Mississippi River Distilling Company for their antifreeze cocktail party. So hold on to your butts, LeClaire. The Title IX ladies are coming. Hold your necks, as my mother-in-law would say, <laughs> as she went around the corner fast. I love it. Well, I'm excited hold your for necks. it it's coming right up. So if you're interested, <laughs> check it out the event online. Otherwise just get yourself over to check out all of the amazing spirits that they have to offer in Eastern Iowa. And they have some really cool, um, events going on and just ways to enjoy the space that they have, even, even though it's the middle of winter. So we have a really cool episode. I, I think tonight, um, at the end of the podcast, we'll start at the end and work our way to the beginning. We have guest, uh, a guest with us. We have coach wares, George wares, who's the head softball coach at central college. And, uh, we're obviously an Iowa state podcast, but we had coach wares on to discuss, um, just his view on women's sports and specifically collegiate uh, sports. And just to give us his perspective, he's a very outspoken advocate of, of, um, women's rights and sports. And so I think, um, I think you guys will really enjoy that. So that's at the end of the podcast and we were going to do this last time, but we ran out of time. One of my favorite things that Lisa does every year is talk about her goals and how she sets her goals for the year. So we're going to go through those, but first I feel like we have to start with 
are very exciting men's and women's basketball teams. What do you think? They're so exciting. They're the they're best. They're so exciting. They're the Nail best. Fighting. Not- <laughs> I mean, they're <laughs> not the saying? best. Nail biting. <laughs> Nail biting. Okay. Yeah. I thought you said no biting. And I was like, no, they're not biting. What are you talking about? No biting, Steph. <laughs> That was me in parent mode right there. (laughs) So the women are now 16 and one coming off a win against Oklahoma state on Saturday. It's the best starting program history. First time the program has started 16 and one. And I don't know if you saw Lisa earlier today, we're recording Monday night earlier today. They jumped to number seven, um, in the rankings. And it's the first time they've been there since January of 2002. I did the math. Obviously that was 20 years ago. I was a freshman in high school and I still had braces at the time. Oh, wow. I think I was like six, probably. (laughs) Yeah, probably. Yeah. 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 You you know, you're looking really good for your (laughs) Thanks. But I don't, if you're on social media, you've seen this. The women have a huge game on uh, Wednesday night against Texas. If you can get to Hilton Coliseum, do it. I think it's going to be a fantastic crowd. We talked about it before, but that women's crowd is always intense. And with students back, I'm hoping they, they show up in droves as, uh, as well. And we just, you know, bring some Hilton magic to what is always a tough Texas team there. I think they're number they're top 25 for sure. I, I, I forgot to look to see what they were in the newest poll, but I feel like we tough. need a saying like pack the Jack, like head to Hilton or something yeah. like that. Look, I coined that. it. Okay. We you need don't like that. that. You yeah. don't like head to Hilton. It's okay. I feel like okay. we can do better. We'll work. I feel like you, you can do better. <laughs> you know, I like an alliteration. I know you do. <laughs> and then the men of course had a nice victory against uh, Texas on Saturday as well. And then they turn around tomorrow night, Tuesday night and play Texas tech. It is the big 12 right now is a gauntlet. And I feel like Iowa state specifically has just gone through a really intense stretch that doesn't necessarily get any easier. So yeah. just hold was- on. I was looking at the list of the big 12 and it's like, it, it was, it ranked us first to last. It ranked the conference first to last. And like the AP ranks in there were so random. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, usually it's like, okay, like the single digits at the top, the lower digits towards the middle, not ranked at the end. It was not like that at all. No. It's like it's- unranked five unranked 17, it's so weird. Six, like it was all over the place. It was like, wait, ugh, I need to sort and, this out a little bit. And any given night in the big 12 right now, you, there's an upset and, or someone gives someone a really intense run. And yeah. I just think, I think Iowa state, uh, I think that suits Iowa state well, because as we've talked about, as Chris and Brennan talked about, and Jared and Scott have talked about defense travels well. And they play pretty consistently. Their offense is pretty consistently mediocre, <laughs> but their defense <laughs> is consistently great. And yeah. so long as they continue to do that, they're going to, you know, they're going to keep rolling along. And I, the one complaint I have, and I wanted to talk to you about this and see what your thoughts are. I feel like the big 12 officiating in men's basketball specifically has been very Obviously that Kansas game, they just blatantly missed some calls, right. but even more in the, the Texas game, it's just there. It's so inconsistent. And I think it's particularly frustrating with Iowa state because we play this really intense defense and they'll call handsy stuff for five minutes and then they'll stop yeah. and then they'll, they'll call, they'll let stuff go. And then all of a yeah. sudden they're back to calling the handsy stuff. I just don't know 
it's frustrating to not know what to expect in the course of the same game. Yeah. And I think that it's interesting because I'm sure like everyone has seen West Virginia spend many years being very handsy and not getting called for all of it. And so now it's kind of like, well, TJ is like, okay, well, if West Virginia can do it, we can for sure do that. Right. And now it's like the rest are like, well, well, wait, like, they're That's not, not West your Virginia. brand. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like, this isn't your thing. And I also know that we were kind of getting known for like being floppers, which I don't yes. like. So yeah. I would like, I would like us to clear that up a little bit and do a little less floppity flopping, which we're getting called for flops, which yeah. is new this year. Um, but yeah, I, I think that it's interesting that we're getting to be known for this intense defense. And I don't know if it's going to take a while for these refs to, sort out what they're going to call and what they're not going to call, but it would be nice if they figured it out. You know, cause when you go to um, play down at Kansas and Allen field house, you know, that Bill self's been canoodling with the officials. So it's right. going to be like, you're going to, you're going to get a call against you that you shouldn't. That's you right. just expect that there. But when you're in Hilton Coliseum and there's these very strange and inconsistent calls, that's, that's, I wouldn't say new. I mean, that happens to a certain extent every season, but the, the, the consistent inconsistency is new. And I hope they, I hope they get that cleaned up. Yeah, definitely. But I wanted to ask you about a tweet you had because you tweeted something about how this team is unselfish and the men's team, the women's team were playing at the exact same time. And I saw someone respond to you and say, essentially, you know, it's a good thing when you don't know which team you're referring to. I I feel like we should put up a poll. Yeah. We should put up a poll. Like, who do you think that Elisa was talking about? It was the perfect encapsulation of both of these teams, the yeah. women's team, like every night, obviously you have Ashley Jones, who's always going to be a consistent scorer, but in terms mm-hmm. of the guard play, it's pretty spread out. And one night it could be, um, Emily Ryan, one night it could be Aubrey one night. It could be Morgan Kane. You know, it's yeah. always all over Lexi. the place. And then you, yes, Lexi too. And then you have the Gabe Kelsher game on Saturday. And then you have, you know, um, Isaiah Brockington, Brockington going for 30, another game. And it's just, yeah it's so it's frustrating sometimes because you want them all to be on at the same time. But the the good news is it seems like someone is generally always stepping up. Yeah. I think with both of these teams and it's been this way with the women's team, I think for a very long time is that they make the extra pass. And yeah. I think that with the women's game, the, the extra pass is not as dangerous as it is with yeah. the men's game. Right. Um, but making that, making that extra pass when the defense has shifted, you know, the defense shifts all the way to the left side, the ball's over on the left side, the person guarding the person on the other wing is in help defense basically. So they're like towards the middle of the lane, you know, one foot in the lane. So they're help defense. So you swing it, you pass it up to the top of the lane and then you pass it to the other side, you know, the top of the lane, they might have a decent shot there, but yeah. that extra pass is going to be to the other side of the lane. And then the other pass after that is, you know, the person at the top of the key is cutting down. Yeah. That's, that's the extra pass right and there. We saw Tyrese Hunter do that a lot on Saturday and it was, mm-hmm. so, I mean, that was electric. Yeah. And the thing that I really see with the men's game is that, um, it's a lot of fast breaks where I feel like yeah. they're selfless. Like you can go yeah. up for a contested, um, a contested layup on a fast break and most likely get a foul 
or what they're doing is passing the ball and for the making, wide open. yeah, for the wide yeah. open and making sure that they get that shot. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's really smart, especially cause I don't feel like we're a great free throw shooting team. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think that that's what they're thinking about when they're doing it. Um, but just making that extra pass, like seeing that open man is like, is crazy. It's crazy when the big men see the extra man cutting, yes, you know right. what I mean? Like, you know, that it's serious when the big men see the extra man cutting. Um, and it's just, it's, it's like them all sitting together at dinner. It's them having a, a group chat. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like it's these things that, you know, that they're like just doing life together. And yeah. I know this about the women's team too. Like they're just, they know each other and they're, they're celebrating things together and they're doing life together. And you, you start to like, for, for a lack of better words, your periods start to sink up. You know what I mean? <laughs> you sink. Yeah. <laughs> but like you, you're just like, you're, you're in the same place at the same time. Yeah. And you know when that person is going somewhere. And so I think that that's kind of one of the, one of the cool things. And I think that's really interesting that the men's team so quickly did this with so many transfers coming in. Especially that. Yes, absolutely. That. And especially after what happened last year, we just didn't see a lot of chemistry and it's yes. been, the polar opposite of that this year. Yes. Right. Right. And I hate to say it, but like Lindell is the, was the exact opposite of this. Like yeah. it, he could have two men on him and he would still drive to the basket and try and yep. shoot it. Like he yeah. would never look for the open man. It was the Lindell game. And that was frustrating. And I think that that's just not the type of basketball that we enjoy playing. However, with with the type of like selfless basketball that we watch, we, we probably aren't going to have like, uh, uh, the best player ever, you know, like we're not yeah. going to have a standout player yeah. playing with us I, right now. And that, well, right now. And I think that's going to be interesting to see how coach Otzelberger evolves over the last, uh, the next few years to see, yeah. cause I've always been told and read that he tends to evolve his coaching with the players he has. So we'll yeah. see what happens. And I think that's going to be really exciting to watch. Yeah, definitely. I think I know that one of TJ's favorite players, um, is Nader, uh, Abdul Nader. And I just like, I think about his Nader style of play being so like, quiet and calculated yeah but like confident and right. um i don't know i just i see that in some of these other guys i see that in hunter and jackson like i see that yeah. in them um and i think that that's tj's style that he's yeah, kind of sure. instilling on them which is crazy like we talk about this all the time but like <sighs> prom wanted so bad to make men out of these guys that he, but he just didn't know how. And I don't think TJ wants to make men out of these guys, but guess what? He is, you know, well, and you mean? can see because he's so intense on the, the sideline and he, I mean, he's not yelling at them, but you can tell yeah. when he's pissed, you can tell when he's pleased just by his demeanor and they respond to it. Um, yeah. and I think there's this huge maturity factor, um, of these guys responding the way they are to him in such a little time. It's amazing. I, yeah. I think no matter what happens from here on out, if we lose every game for the rest of the season, it, whatever, what he did has been amazing. Don't say that. I'm, I'm being, it's a point. I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> we, had a, um, we had a listener reach out and ask, he noticed, um, it was Frederick, our friend Frederick on Twitter. He noticed that there have been 
numerous women's basketball games in the big 12 rescheduled because of COVID, but very few uh, men's big 12 conference games rescheduled. And he was wondering if there was any reason for that or what the cause was of the discrepancy. So I looked into it a little bit and the big 12 policy is that um, a postponement takes place in the event that a team has less than six scholarship players and one coach. And that's, a, that's considered a no contest. That's no longer a forfeit. And that is the same for both men's and women's. Um, so as far as I can tell, I think just more women's programs have been affected by COVID um, than men's. And I guess all I can say is so far, Iowa state has not been impacted during conference play. And I don't think Iowa state's going to be the problem. I think it's going to be someone, another team um, having to, having to uh, postpone. So fingers crossed that we just keep trucking along and we can have as normal of a season as possible. It is interesting though. Um, our friend Brooke Johnson noticed that the women's basketball officials all wear masks and the men's don't. And I just, I don't know why. Yeah, yeah it is interesting. So anyway, that there you go. There's my, um, my COVID update of the day. Hmm. All right. So we want to get to our goals that we didn't get to last time. And I, yeah. I'm going to turn this over to you because you're the, the goal Jedi. Well, we, we've talked about, I think this is like our third podcast it is. where we third, the third year. This is the third year doing our goal. Yeah. And so basically like a couple years ago, I was realizing that I wasn't achieving any of my goals. And I mean, the majority of people don't achieve their goals. You were a loser. (laughs) I mean, like slide into our DMs. If you are still working on one of your goals, it's the 17th. Um, We've had a a snow, a a bit of a flurry here. A bit Um, of a flurry. Yeah. Let us know if you're still hitting the gym. Um, But most people, most people give up on their goals, no matter what they are. Um, And I think that there's a, a number of reasons. One of the reasons is that you make too many goals, you know, your, your chances of achieving a goal declines, the more goals you're, you try and achieve at the same right. time. Because um, unlike Holly Rowe, the rest of us only have 24 hours. Of right. Day. Right. <laughs> right. Um, and, and I think that another, one of those things is that we are trying to, we're trying to reach these goals that are really out of our, out of our, out of the realm of what we can achieve there, yeah. you know, and I think that, um, some of the They're things unreasonable. That, yeah, they are unreasonable. And what, what we're asking for in our goals, um, on January 1st, isn't exactly what we want. So I think that like one of the ones that I always talk about is, okay, you want to lose weight January 1st, you decide that you want to lose weight. Well, you don't really want to lower the gravitational pull of your body to the earth and have everything else stay the same. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you, you, you want other things you want to, to feel change. better. You want yeah. your jeans to fit nicer. Yeah. yeah. You want yeah. to be, you know, perceived as a, a thinner person or, you know, yeah. all of these different things. And so, um, more confident. And so I started to switch it around and say, okay, how can I feel those things that I want to feel every day? 
thus achieving my goal of what I really want, which is to feel, you know, empowered and to feel, um, confident. Confident. Yeah. So why don't I choose things to do every day? That's going to allow me to do that. Why don't, why don't I, you know, look at myself in the mirror in the morning and pick five things that I really like about myself and tell myself that, you know, why don't I have a conversation with a friend and say, you know what I'm really liking is like, the shape of my eyebrows lately is just really great. You know what I mean? Like, why don't I wake up and eat something that is not going to give me heartburn in the morning? (laughs) Like we always talk about our heartburn as a joke, but really like, why don't I wake up? Seriously, we have terrible heartburn. (laughs) Yeah. Why don't I wait? Why don't I eat something, um, as a snack in the afternoon, that's going to give me enough energy to get home and do something active after I get home. You know, why don't I choose things that are going to make me feel the way that I want to feel if I were to, the the way that I think that I'm going to feel if I were to lose weight, you know, um, my goal is to, you know, make a hundred thousand dollars this year. Well, what is it that you want with that hundred thousand dollars? I want to feel secure. I want to feel comfortable. You know, I, Mm -hmm. I want to have something in case something goes wrong, you know, well, then make a choice every morning. That's going to make you feel like you have a little more money in your pocket, you know, instead of going to Starbucks or something this morning, maybe, maybe I'm going to keep that money in my pocket. And then I'm going to feel like, oh, I have 11 bucks in my pocket, you know, that I didn't have before. It's making choices to make yourself feel the way that you think that you're going to feel. If you achieve the goal, it's breaking it down, breaking that goal down to really like it's most like animalistic desire. So, um, some of the goals that I had last year were to feel disciplined, feel innovative, feel intentional and feel healthy. Um, and, those were my 2020 goals. And so then at the end of 2020 and 2021, I realized that some of those goals went well, you know, and some of those, I really had to kind of pivot. I, um, with feeling disciplined, I want to feel disciplined. Well, that made me like, look at myself in the mirror and kind of give myself like the mean coach right. talk, like you're right. nothing you, you need to, you know, it, it, it just kind of gave me a, a bad connotation with it. So during the year, I kind of had to flip that. Um, and so I changed that to feel cared for. So in 2021, I really tried instead of to feel disciplined, I wanted to feel cared for. And so I softened it a little bit. You know, I gave myself a little more grace as many of us needed in that year. Many of us did not need to be more disciplined in 2021. Like we just needed right. a little bit of grace. Right. So, um, I changed that totally acceptable. And I think that should you say, should I have said, you know, well, I want to lose 40 pounds. Well, if you get halfway into the year and say, well, I would like to change that, then you feel like a failure. But if you say like, well, I wanted to feel disciplined, but that isn't working for me. It's making feel, feel gross, you know, well, then that's fine. Like change it, um, do something different. I think that creative, um, made me feel, made me feel like I didn't really know what I was trying to achieve. Creative Mm -hmm. was such a a broad thing. So I changed that to innovative. So in 2021, I 
was trying to be innovative with the, the things that I was doing. And especially with like this podcast yep. and especially yep. with my bakery business. Yep. Yeah. And so try and be innovative. And I do think that I, I achieved that to fe- I felt like I was being innovative every day. Um, and so then the goals that I achieved were like, I fit, I hit 3000 followers on yep. Instagram. You know what I mean? And like, I can set these goals of, I would like to set a goal of hitting 5,000 by the end of the year. Well, but that's just an arbitrary but number. Why? Yeah. Right. Right. I could, I could pay a thousand dollars for 2000 more followers. Right. And it won't, it won't help me any, it, I have to get to the core of why I want that. Um, and what I'm, what I have to do to get there. So, um, I think that the, the intentional goal that I had in 2020, that was, um, that had to do with parenting. So I kept that in 2021 to continue to be intentional. Um, it was something that worked for me. So I refocused it and, and tried to be intentional again this year. And then healthy didn't work for me because it still made me feel kind of shamed that I wasn't. So I, I got even more specific and went with energized. I remember this. Yeah. And I did not feel energized this year at all. So I didn't reach that goal, which is totally fine. You know what I mean? That's a very good reminder. That one specifically of sometimes there are just things that are out of your control. And for example, everything (laughs) around you, you know, the pandemic politics, um, work and kids and, um, but you, I will say it's, it wasn't for a lack of trying. It wasn't, I mean, I mean, I watched you do that. So, and I, but I, okay. So can I give you, well, do you want the amount of chai I consumed, (laughs) the amount of caffeine you would think that I was energized. this? Can I tell you the, the one I thought you did the best in 2021, I thought the be innovative one, I thought just watching you be creative with your cakes and what you did, um, in terms of the the dessert trays and some of the themes that you tried with, with your cakes. It was like every week you were doing something that made me just say that I'm blown away. So from an outsider's perspective, I think you absolutely killed that one. Thank you. And I think that a lot of the, I think that a lot of the goals that we should be, um, trying to do every day, I am, I very much appreciate that you say, um, that you thought that I was innovative, but I want to make sure that I think that I'm innovative. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? And I think that in the end, like we can't do anything about the way that others perceive us. I cannot, we can't, we can't change if somebody thinks that we look overweight or not. Like even if you lose a 200 pounds, you know what I mean? Like no matter how thin you are, you cannot change the way that somebody else looks at you. So you just have to do the things that are best for yourself. Right. Because you can control, I can control what I think when I look in the mirror, I can control what I tell myself. Sometimes I don't feel like I can control what I tell myself. Um, but so those were, those are kind of, my goals. And I think that it, it feels like every year it's like, well, yeah, I have to have a bunch of new goals, but really like my goals just kind of change a little bit or continue, or I decide that they're not focused or you pivot. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's some words that I used last year, like pivot, um, refocus or drop it if it's not serving you. Right. So this year, 
I was going to ask if you have refocused for this year. Okay. So no, this year, I I really think that those goals were serving me well. And so I'm actually going to keep them, which is not, it's not all that exciting to talk about. Um, but refocus proof that it works. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. And then another little thing that I decided to do this year, and this, this might be more of like an entrepreneur thing. So if this doesn't speak to you, sorry, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I decided to write down 20 people, places, businesses that I would like. to. Oh, so I like that. They range anywhere from like, I mean, like Iowa girl eats, I would love to work mm-hmm. with Iowa girl eats local person, fancy sprinkles, which is a national brand. Yeah. Um, like, a, but you a, could, you could apply this to any line of work or profession yeah. or even hobbies. Yeah. And so I just, I made a list and I've, I've heard before that you should make a list of a hundred for your lifetime. But I decided, okay, for this next year, I would just like to make a list of 20 people that I would be interested in. And then I'm going to use that list to just try and like narrow in. I'm going to try and like comment on Iowa girl eats this page more often, like create a dialogue with her. You know what I mean? Like I'm going to try and put myself in positions that if they are the right, the right thing person business to work with that I will be there ready for it as opposed to just like sitting on my thumbs and hoping that something big will come my way. Yeah, for sure. I think that's great. I really like that. I'm probably going to steal it actually. Yeah, go for it. Okay, good. Do you have, um, any specific goals or outlooks for the pod for this next year? Um, I think that like, so obviously the innovation one applies. Yes. And I think that like, one of the things that we're really excited about is the name image likeness stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. and we kind of talk about it a little bit with coach wares. So I'm excited for you guys to listen to that. Um, but I would like us to get more involved with like women in sports Mm -hmm. and see if there's a way that we can help them or, um, guide them or like be cheerleaders for them, um, or anything like that. And so I think that that's something that I would like to feel helpful. I think, yeah. Um, supportive maybe is a better word, like helpful, supportive. Um, I would like to be a resource, so I'm going to wake up every maybe, morning and try and be one of those things. To and maybe we can be kind of a tool for them in terms of spreading the word and things like that as yeah. well. Yeah, definitely. Um, one of the goals that I have, and this is thanks to people listening, um, towards the end of the year, we kind of got flooded with people giving us recommendations for guests to have on. And coach wears is one is a great example, but I think we have some that are not necessarily what you'd expect. And some people you've probably, um, never heard about. And I'm just excited to be able to help people give their, tell their stories and give some perspectives that I think we have a unique platform, um, that to share them on. So I'm, yeah. I, that's one of my goals is to just keep giving I don't know, being a, being a platform to share perspectives that way. I like it. Yeah. Any, any more goals? <sighs> no, I'm gold out. I have to keep them, <laughs> I have to keep them short or they're not going to happen. <laughs> I get it. I totally get it. Well, I, I, I seriously think this is so great and it's 
I love your little goal refresher over here. It's one of the Thanks. things I look forward to most. So I hope someone takes something away from it as well. Well, I'm sorry that I don't have new goals for everybody. No, but... it's good. I mean, like I said, <laughs> I think it's proof it's working. Yeah. Um, before we get to coach wears, I want to give a couple of shout outs to some badass women, which we try to do every episode. I'm sure you saw this, Elisa, but, um, it's Rachel Bach. Balkovec, I think is how you pronounce her name. She is going to manager, be the manager of the low A Tampa tarp. Is it tarpons, tarpoons, tarpoons? I don't know. I should know how to say that. Terrafins? Terrafins? It starts with a T. It starts with a T. But anyway, it's a, it's a Yankees <laughs> affiliate. And uh, she's the, the point is, the, the, the important part is, is she's the first manager in an MLB affiliated team, the first female manager in an MLB affiliated team. So good for her. Um, I saw a lot of support for her from women, obviously, but also a lot of current major leaguers. So that was really cool to see. And her, I read about her. She has a really interesting past. She was a collegiate softball player. Then she started in the, um, in baseball with the St. Louis Cardinals as a minor league strength and conditioning coach. Then she left and went and got like a master's degree. Then she came back for a while Then she went and got another master's degree. And then she came back. Um, so she's been all over the place in various roles and has just continually worked her way up and, proud of her so we we continue to see these first 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 and we're gonna continue to shout them out so that's Heck great yeah well i saw that aisha bistrom served um on the la king's bench as an athletic trainer and she is the first female to work a regular season nhl game behind the bench in any capacity wow so that was cool and then I saw another one and now the name is escaping me. We'll have to put this up on Twitter. Um, afterwards, there's, um, another woman who's being discussed as, um, a general manager role, like in a front for office. the Vikings. Uh, yeah. 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 Was it the Vikings? Yeah. yeah Catherine so Rachie. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And I saw, um, I a lot of the Eagles right now. And there was tons of people, you know, who are in the know, as Kim Mulkey would say, who are like, she should have been doing this years ago. So I think that's great too. Yeah, I love it. Um, and then I mentioned this uh, when we had a chance to coach, uh, talk to Coach Wears, which you'll hear at the end, but there was a study that was done and it's um, the source is Open Doors. And they did, they did a study of the, the top name image likeness compensation in 2021, 46% of it was football, which to me is no surprise, but then the next highest was women's basketball at 26.2%. So I'm just going to say that again, more than more than a quarter of all name image likeness compensation in 2021 was women's basketball. Love it. So don't tell me there's not a market there. People don't tell me. Heck yeah. yeah. Well, Genevieve Beacom is a 17 year old left-hander for the Melbourne aces. And she made her Australian baseball league debut. And she was the first woman to ever pitch for a professional team in Australia. That's awesome. 17 That's really years cool. old. I bet she's a badass in Australia yeah. too. Yeah. I feel like they all are. Um, and then the last one I have is Kira D'Amato. She was a, uh, she's a distance runner. And she's, a, she was ran in college Then she quit. She had kids and then she started to run again for fun. Well, it turns out she was having a lot of fun because over the weekend <laughs> she set the American record and the marathon in two hours and 19 minutes and 11 seconds. She's 37 years old. She did it at the Houston marathon. And I use stuff. Yeah. It won't be me. <laughs> it could be in theory, but it won't be me. I have a long ways to go. Oh my gosh. I, I love just, it. I can't, I just can't imagine like walking away having a couple of kids and be like, I'm going to do this for fun. Yeah. And then setting the American record. Are you joking oh me? Oh my gosh. 
<laughs> Steph, I really like this little back and forth. Wait, should we do this every time we record? Yeah, let's do it. A little, I like, like it too. hey, I heard about this girl. Hey, I heard about this girl. <laughs> I like it too. I like I it a lot. It. All right. Is there anything else you want to throw out there before we go to the break and then get to coach wears? I just think we did it. Well, I just want to, I just want to circle back to how well we just did that. It's almost like we do this a lot. It's almost like we know each other. It's almost yeah. like where our cycles are in sync. <laughs> oh God. If we didn't lose the men before this, we probably just lost them now. Come back for coach wears, please. <laughs> Sorry, coach. He's going to, he All probably right. already left. He's like, oh gosh, what did I sign he's, up for? He's regretting all of his decisions. <laughs> all right. We're going to go to break. And then when we come back, we'll be joined by coach George wears from central softball. But uh, first we are brought to you by authentic brand authentic brand is more than just your source for official cyclone gear with an amazing team of designers authentic brand can custom manufacture polo shirts jackets caps bags and beyond for your team or small business check them out online at authentic-brand.com look authentic feel authentic be authentic Hey, everybody. We are now joined by a man who needs no introduction, but we're going to give him one anyway. We're joined by George Wares, who's the head coach of Central Softball and has been since 1985. He has since become the winningest softball coach in NCAA Division III history. And among those wins include four national championships and several top 10 finishes. And in 37 years as head coach, he's taken the Dutch to the NCAA tournament 30 times. So just a, you know, quick little quick little mention of a few of the accolades he's uh he's racked up as head coach of central softball but he's more than just a coach he's an outspoken advocate for women's sports and that's what we are here to chat about with coach wares today but first coach you're about to start up practice at the end of the month uh, for your upcoming season the last couple seasons have been strange obviously 2020 season was cut short because of covid and then last year was different with masking and other precautions so are you excited to get this season underway uh, really excited and we're hopeful that we don't have to do some of the stuff we have, but obviously if we have to, we will. And, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a challenge. There's, there's not any uh, manual on how to handle uh, pandemic uh, and, and coach, but you know, we've done what we had to do just like every other uh, program across the country and whatever sport we're talking about. So hopefully we'll get to a little more normalcy and, uh, we're excited about our season moving forward. Good. And, uh, are, do you have, what's the team look like this year in terms of um, women coming back or is it a younger team or tell us a little bit about what to expect from you guys this year. It's going to be younger. We're, uh, if we get healthy, we'll be pretty solid in uh, our pitching. And we, we probably think maybe uh, a year from now will be our next chance to make a serious run. Uh, but we hope to get as far as we can this year to, to help that and segue into that. But, but I think we'll win a game or two this year as well. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine maybe just one or two. Well, Elisa and I talked a lot in the spring of, of last year, 2021, that it felt like there was a movement or at least some serious momentum for equity and equality between the treatment of men's and women's sports in the NCAA. And it kind of started, or it felt like it started with the disparity in the facilities and amenities in March Madness. And then it continued on with what ended up being a very popular and highly viewed D1 softball tournament. And again, there was some more disparities in facilities and some crazy, ridiculous scheduling. So as someone who has, you know, whose livelihood is in women's college athletics, you're in it, you're living it. Did you feel this movement and momentum the same way that we did as fans? 
Yeah, without question. I think it was good that it was uh, brought to the front. Uh, you know, uh, we have Title IX for a reason, and it's unfortunate that we have Title IX, but we need it, you know, and we need it because uh, people can't seem to understand the inequalities that we have. Uh, it's interesting we're doing this on Martin Luther King Day because you could say the same thing about, you know, race or uh, gender. Uh, but, you know, going way back to when I first started coaching and decided to, I was also coaching men's basketball. Uh, and, when I coached female athletes initially, it was, I was just a coach and, you know, I did what I could to help us be successful. And then I started realizing, especially when I have two daughters and three granddaughters, and there's a bigger stage here. And, and I saw even uh, with the teams that we had, and I'm at a school that is very pro uh, female sport, you know, clear back in uh, 1988, when we won our first national championship, John Walters, who we all know from Iowa state was, was uh, working for Channel 5 TV, and we came back from a national championship game back to Pella, and he was there to do an interview. And we, one of our vans was late, happened to be the one I was in, so I wasn't there for the interview. And our president, who was huge in uh, advancing female sports uh, in the NCAA, President Ken Weller, and he uh, took the mic. And John, you know, meaning well, made a comment, well, how does it feel, President Weller, to have a women's sport win a national championship at a football school? And uh, President Weller just gave him the look you cannot believe. You often asked John, he probably remembers. He said, we're not a football school. We are a school of all sports. Uh, you, the media, make us a football school. And we're very, very uh, happy that our women have won a national championship. And for the record, we've won 11 national uh, championships at Central and 10 have been won by female sports. So we, we kind of got to go in the right way here. But, <laughs> but to your point, I think it, it's never been fair. You know, what I've tried to do as a coach Coach is yes, we coach to win, and that's significant. We want to do that, but we feel like the more we challenge our women uh, in, in the sport, the more we uh, prepare them for what's out there. And we just we're very direct. We, we it's not fair. You know, we tell them the wage difference that they're going to have to uh, go through. We tell them that when they interview for their first job and there's a, a male that is going to be uh, the, 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 the competition, you know, you're going to have to blow them out of the, the water and that to, to maybe get the job. And, and we try to uh, prepare them for that. And so that's kind of been a, a goal of mine, you know, to do more than just coach. And then moving fast forward to what you just talked about, we have seen improvements. But when you think about the weight room, disparity that we saw in division one uh how can anybody not uh think that's wrong when we saw the uh the division one and division one softball has become so popular you know and, and when you look at the number of people that are tuning in to watch it and then you've got women that are trying to win a national championship and you put them at a disadvantage because of how quickly they have to come back how can anybody not see the fairness in that the unfairness in that and yet some people still do not see the unfairness in that, you know, you know, and, and some, I think some males are threatened, you know, quite frankly, when, when you look at, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Iowa state. You guys know that and I love the women's team. I love the men's team this year. They're both phenomenal to watch and they're very exciting. And, and, you know, if, uh, and bear with me on this comment, if the men played the women, 
you know, heads up, the men are going to win. You know, I think we would all agree with that, but that's simply because of what God gave each gender in terms of what they can and can't do physically. But I would argue the women are better maybe because their ceiling might be greater and they have maybe a better chance of being final four, you know, whether that's true or not, doesn't matter. But what really irritates me is when you hear some people knock the women's game, it's usually the armchair quarterback, you know, who's sitting there and probably never made a JV high school team. And now he's saying that the women can't play and he could probably compete against the women. And, and so we've got a long ways to go, but we have made great progress. And I, I'm, I'm just, uh, I love sports. And I, I think the fact that the women's game has taken off, whether it's softball, whether it's volleyball, whether it's basketball and has become significant is better for all of us. And you, know, you don't have to watch it. But I do think it's up to uh, the networks to to give it a, a venue that will more likely have a greater audience, because if it's watched, it, it's going to go because the women's basketball game is truly special right now. Uh, I'm obviously biased towards softball, but can you give me a better national championship than the bottom of the seventh, you know, game on the line and somebody up has to make a great pitch. Somebody else has to have a key hit. It's, it's phenomenal. And, and people want to watch it. So let's let's keep pushing it forward. When you talk about the armchair quarterbacks, it makes me think about, um, I, I watched this YouTube video where Jenny Finch was throwing pitches at like football players and barely any of them could hit off of her. And it's like, okay, unless you're a baseball player, I don't think you can hit off Jenny Finch. Like, <laughs> I don't think you could do, I think you might, you might have to take some of your uh, pitchers out there and throw at some of those football players and see what they can do. <laughs> we'll sponsor well, that. We video. actually, we have had uh, Chris and Ross, you know, the fanatics uh, I've been on their show a few times and we've had this challenge going that, that I think they're going to do it, but we haven't found the time where, I'm going to have them come down and try to hit off a couple yeah. of our, and we'll video that because Please uh, do. you know, you I, I, NCAA, does, too. NCAA would not allow us to put a line on it, but the over under <laughs> how many they're going to make contact is going to be zero. <laughs> think, so. You got to bring us out heckle? there too, though. Yeah, we'll heckle. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. We'll, well, we'll make sure everybody knows when it's going to happen. Cause we played fast pitch. So I, I feel like we could be better than Chris and Rob. Oh yeah. Just generally too. <laughs> Well, there, there's a difference too. You know, I mean, baseball, yeah. especially with Jenny, sure. it's got the upper spin and the sure. a lot different hitting a baseball as a softball. Yeah. Coach, you, uh, I don't know how much you listen to our podcast, but something I've said a lot um, to Elisa is that if you're going to be a, a coach or a leader in women's sports, you don't necessarily have to carry the banner of equity and equality. But in my opinion, you sure as heck can't be a barrier toward progress. And you are very much a banner carrier. And you mentioned it before with, um, you know, with having daughters and granddaughters of your own that you you make it a point to be that banner carrier, but I'm wondering, was it a conscious point a decision? Was there something that you witnessed or a moment where it just clicked and you said, I'm going to be that, and I'm going to be a, be a voice or did it just feel natural to you? Well, a, a little of both. I, I think uh, the more you see, hear other people's stories uh, where they weren't, given uh, a fair chance. Uh, and, you know, you, you come from your own background too. And, you know, I came here, you know, as a seven-year-old, uh, six or seven-year-old that couldn't speak English and, you know, walking around speaking German and you know, having people uh, address that in certain ways and using certain terms uh, to address you. Uh, so you, you start understanding that we're not all, we're all created equal, but we're not all treated fairly. And I, I came to the point where, you know, 
and I'm, I'm a big believer in, in white privilege and I believe I am one of the privileged. And, and I think a lot of times when people say that they think, well, I haven't worked to get to where I am. I haven't had to go through my own struggles and that's not what it means at all. But I feel the white man has a, a better opportunity to move forward than a black or a person of color and, and a woman. And I think as much, and I know a lot of women coaches across the country and we've talked and talked and talked. And I think that has helped me uh, become more of an advocate and speak to it because um Hutch, Carol Hutchinson from Michigan. We're, we're, we're dear friends. And, uh, we, we talk a lot about things like this. And she finally said to me, said for, for this to get better, we need people like you to speak out, you know, mm-hmm. because it, it's, it's one thing for two women like yourselves to speak out for women's rights and moving of a sport. Um, and that's important, but I think the people that have the privilege need to speak out and let people understand that we have to do something to make sure everybody gets the same opportunities as, as many of us have had. And again, I, I think it's, when, when you look at it, it's, it's a, why not to me, you know, what, what's so hard to, I think some people feel like, well, if we give this, we're going to lose this. And that's not true. We, we can all have uh, the, the fair share of the pie and uh, make sure that we're allowed to do what we're uh, you know, we've been given a chance to do and, and do it fairly. And that's where I just hope that we keep moving forward with uh, with an agenda like that. How do you balance, you mentioned the uh, the people with the privilege speaking for those without it. So the criticism of that is being the quote unquote male savior. So how do you, how do you balance that and deal with those, with those critics? Well, first of all, I'm not a savior. I wouldn't know how to. Not, <laughs> well, you, you know what I mean. Though, yeah, I do. I do. And, and I get it. And, and I, I I'm, I'm sensitive to that, but I, I think when you hear, your own players come up and talk to you past and present and uh, you know, just a thank for being an an advocate and I think it's difficult, but I think you still have to do it. And there are going to be some that put it down for the reason that you said, but I don't know what it's like to be you. I don't know what it's like to be either one of you to go into an interview or to, you know, fill in the blank. And I don't know what it's like to be a person of color. So I think we have to try to, uh, uh, educate ourselves the best we can and then listen to, you know, one thing I'm fortunate with, uh, you know, being married, having two daughters and having granddaughters and coaching females, I get a lot of, uh, insight, you know, to, to I'm sure you do. (laughs) And I think listening to them and, uh, I've had some of them tell me, you know, they don't need a savior, you know, you know, and, but I think it's just listen and try to do what you can. And, and sometimes it's not so much pushing one individual, helping them. It's, it's, it's pushing the sport in general, you know, and, and there've been examples when I first coached uh, early, I'm a very violent, I wear my emotions on my sleeve. You know, that, that's how I coach with my players and with umpires. I've gotten a little better, but that's, that's what I am. And I, I found in out there. that if, if I called, if I got upset with an umpire, this is early in my career and I pushed the envelope and I, we were facing a team that had a woman head coach and she pushed the same envelope. I was given a, a, a longer leash mm-hmm. and some people in the stands would argue, well, he's just fighting for his team. And some people in the same stands would argue that that female coach was being, excuse my language, being bitchy, you know, mm-hmm. she was being overly assertive. And I says, well, that doesn't make sense. You know? And, and I saw that. And to me, it's like, Um, there has to be an ability 
for a female coach to be able to do what she needs to do. And it may be like the male counterpart and not get crucified for yelling at her players, for yelling at a, an umpire or an official. And uh, we, we've still got a ways to go on that. You know, I, I've got to the point where I would like every coaching staff in all sports to have one person of the opposite gender. So Coach Campbell maybe already does. He needs to have a female on his staff. Uh, Coach uh, uh, TJ needs to have a female on his staff. And, and Because I think when you have both genders represented, it's a little easier to speak to some of the things that we're talking about. Yeah. I think that like, that's, that's the importance of like representation. That's the importance of having somebody else in there. Like we even talk about commercials. Sometimes we're like, how did that get passed? Is there, are there no women on staff? Are there no people of color on staff there that you would say like, no, maybe Kendall Jenner should not be like handing a Coca-Cola to ease racism. <laughs> yeah, Like maybe not. And I think that you're exactly speaking to that. Like, there has to be somebody out there who's like, Hey, my life experience has told me let's go in a different direction with that. Well, and to your point, I do. I think a lot of the policies that are being made, unfortunately, in many things, we'll, we'll talk specifically to the NCAA. I mean, it's getting better, but there have been a lot of white males that are on a lot of those decision-making uh, moments uh, that affect female sports. And I do think the NCAA is trying to improve. I mean, they've got, things out there now where we're trying to get more women in different sports. You know, we have uh, uh, an opportunity for a triathlon. Uh, women's wrestling is becoming uh, really yep. good. And, you know, I'll, I'll give a, a shout out to our state, uh, our state really in, in terms of uh, women having a fair opportunity to compete is, was ahead of its time. You know, we're the only state I believe in the, in the country that has two separate sports unions where we have a, a girl's, Union or Boy State, you know, I think everybody else puts it together. And I think the women then sometimes get uh, a little bit of the, the, the bad end of it, not getting some of the equality that we're talking about. But you look at the uh, clear back when they play six on six basketball, you know, argue it as you want, but the number of people that watch that, the television attention for that. So we have had a lot of uh, really good things uh, in Iowa in terms of uh, the girls sports, the women's sports, but not quite as much, uh, not quite as much nationally. Speaking of some of the changes that um, have been made, what do you think of like the name image likeness and how it's affecting women in sports? Do you have any, I, you have any thoughts on that kind well, of it, change? It's going to be less obviously at the division three level, but I, I'm in, I'm in favor of it. I always have been. And I hope there are some women that are able to utilize it and, you know, for their own benefit financially. You know, like every other coach, uh, particularly those at the Division One level, I, I have a little bit of a red flag concern if it becomes a recruiting uh, piece because I think that that's scary. You know, because I think that you know I hate to say this, but the haves and the have-nots are going to get more separated, and we're going to see a bigger division in terms of some of the Division One powers and those that maybe are trying to become that. Uh, but in general, how can you argue against it? You know, I, I, we, we've been using athletes uh, forever. You know, it's kind of ironic that, um, you know, you go to a game, uh, Alabama, Georgia, and you've got whatever, 80,000 people. Uh, and, you know, they're cheering them on. And uh, then five minutes later, they're crucifying them. And then five minutes later, they're at a bar 
constantly calling them names and yet their livelihood for that two hours depends on, uh, you know, or their happiness depends on how well they perform and they're giving up a lot. And so for them to be able to get something back, I think is, uh, is really, really good. And I hope the women, you know, I'm not, you probably know as more than I do, but are the Iowa state women uh, utilizing it some, are the Iowa women utilizing it some, because obviously you've got two very successful seasons and some very known players. So hopefully they're getting some benefit from it. And I, yeah. I actually just saw a statistic that um, for 2021 women's basketball made up a quarter of all NIL compensation. And that wasn't state by state, but it was still a, it was still really neat to see that, that they are taking advantage of it. And I know Caitlin Clark has a big deal with, um, she's at Iowa. She has a big deal with high V. Um, and then I, I mean, I know we have the, the Ashley Jones merchandise and some stuff for the women as well. And we're, we're, we have some ideas too. So yeah. hopefully we can work in some of those ideas pretty soon. And to, to bounce off of that, Elisa, I guess, coach, before we wrap up with you, um, what do you think is the, the most important thing that we can do as fans or as, um, you know, as people, as outsiders looking in what's from your perspective as a coach, what can we do to continue to, grow the women's game in, in all sports and advocate for equity and equality for women's athletics. Well, continuing of what you're doing, you know, like your, your podcast and just uh, speaking to issues. And then as fans, I think uh, the biggest thing for me is don't try to make the sports the same. You know, it's okay that the yes. game is different than the men's game. And I, I, and I appreciate both, you know, there's something about the men's game that drives me to that, that, okay, I'm not going to see that as much women's game. And then I go to a women's game and I'm watching it. And all of a sudden I get a draw dropping moment. Wow. See that in the men's game. And they're, they're the same sport, but they're different. Just appreciate for what they are. And I think, um, you know, if you, if you can't, to, to your point earlier, Steph, if you can't be an advocate for it, then certainly don't get on social media and criticize it, you know, because get out of the way. <laughs> yeah, Completely get out of the way because there are a lot of people that love what the women athletes can do. There are a lot of people that love what the coaches that coach those women athletes have done to promote the game. And they're trying really, really hard. I go back to the pioneers of the Hutches and the, you know, the Pat summits, and they have done a lot to make a lot of good things happen. And instead of being critical of it, because if inferiority complex, I would say, uh, just be happy about it, you know, because it's something very, very special. And, and I think, uh, we, we have an opportunity to, as fans to go to games. Uh, I like what you said about ESPN plus it was kind of the same thing with me. It's bad enough that they're on ESPN plus, but then to have both at the same time, and I'm not smart enough to know how to go back and forth. If it's ESPN, U and ESPN, I can flip back and forth. So I was trying to figure it out, I guess, watch one on my phone, but you know, there are things like that, that, um, it, 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 we can be good at both. And I think my, my final comment again, as a male, just because women's sports grow or a female athlete becomes really, really good, it doesn't take away from what the males are going to do. That, that's always going to be something that people want to watch, but we can enjoy the, the women's game just as much. And I'm, I'm rambling now because I'm very <laughs> about it. So no, I mean, that takes it back to what, what you guys said is that you guys winning a national championship doesn't take anything away from your football team. Like you guys can Correct. both exist in the same space. Correct. And I would think that the football program at, at Iowa state coach Campbell would love it. If the women won a national championship <laughs> the sport does well to certain institutions. It's going to be a good PR. 
Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, coach. Would you be willing to come on with us again sometime? I'm putting you on the spot. So you have to say yes. <laughs> oh, with, without question. I want to hear some of your ideas and if I can help with some of your ideas off the air, uh, just, just <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you. We appreciate your time so much and good luck starting practice here in a couple of weeks. All right. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks coach.